You're listening to WNHH 103.5 FM Community Radio in New Haven, Connecticut. This is The Table Underground, and I'm your host, Tegan Engel. We're digging into stories of food, radical love, and creative social justice. Aaron Lee is a young black chef on a mission to bring healthy food back to the communities he loves through his business, Heartfelt Catering. As he says, he cooks with soul, but not just soul food. Aaron is excited about his mission to use catering to address diet-related health issues like heart disease and diabetes in the black community, illnesses which are the number one cause of death and disproportionately higher for African Americans. Through his catering business, Aaron tries to undo the notion that soul food means only one thing and expand the range of foods people in his community see as theirs and as delicious. Aaron shares his journey into food, from his start peeling shrimp for his dad's catering business in Virginia, to working his way up from dishwasher to sous chef at Yale University Dining. He dishes on the lucky accident that got him started in catering and shares some of his favorite vegan recipes, which he now serves up for private parties in Connecticut and cutting edge fashion shows in Brooklyn. We also dig in on race dynamics in institutional kitchens and the stereotypes that Aaron confronts as a black chef. We touch on some of the historical and systemic reasons healthy food is hard to get in many black communities and that diet change is also social justice work. Aaron keeps it real and brings it all with passion and love, so fitting for the man running heartfelt catering. Hi, Aaron. Thanks for being here. How you doing, Tegan? How's everything today? Good. Thank you. Good, good, good. Can you start out by just telling us, how did you get into cooking? Okay. um, Well, my dad is a chef. He's been a chef about 20, 25 years. Um, We moved from New Haven down to Norfolk, Virginia, about, I want to say, 93 or 94. I was three years old, yep, so like 94. Mm -hmm. And um, he started basic, you know, just as a small chef at IHOP. And he wasn't even the best chef, but, you know, he was just trying to be a dad, you know what I'm saying? He started and... He was telling me his story about how he wasn't the best cook and he was on the shore to cook and they was giving him crap and, you know, so <laughs> he finally got it together after hearing them talk about the junk and he just became a master at it. I mean, he started working in Virginia Beach Ocean Fronts, various restaurants down there, and um, he just fell in love with it. And then he started nice. doing, uh, like, in the South of Virginia, they have things called selling parties where it's like you, instead of uh, just a regular party, you make food, but instead of the food being free, people pay for the food. So they come and get plates, they bring their own bottles, it's music, it's a good time. So that's how he started. And everybody started loving his food and it turned into big cookouts. And then, you know, I became the sous chef in the kitchen and peeling <laughs> shrimp and, you know, just like that. Free. Yeah. And then, um, so I always had, uh, I guess, knew my way around the kitchen, you could say. And then um, I got hired at the university and I really started in the dish room just as par diem. Uh, Wait, so you so you went for cooking with your dad yeah. and then you moved back up to New Haven? Yeah, we moved back up to New Yeah, so that's, I jumped a whole big yeah. gap. <laughs> but yeah, that's pretty much what it was. As I got older, I was about 15. We, my mom sold the house in Virginia. We moved back to Connecticut. And um, I probably got hired at Yale when I was about 20. And had you worked in the kitchen before that? Nope. I was just, just working with just your dad. Regular, yeah, just working with my dad. Yeah. Every other job was just like regular job, like uh, retail, grocery store, yeah. that nature. I worked at Walmart, Price Right, things like that. So you that, didn't you have know? like the resume to go in as a cook, nope. but you went into the dish room. Yep. I went so... in part damn into the dish room. Yeah. It was just like regular customer service experience or whatever yeah. the case may have you. 
And um, when I used to be in there sweeping and mopping, I would always see the chefs in there. And I always told myself, like, this is what I want to do. Eventually, you know, I see them, it was dope. And I always like cooking anyway. So I'm like, this is my ticket, you know. And they told me, you know, if you just work hard, you can move up. But the certain certifications or experience, it didn't require schooling. So I was like, okay. So how'd you get out of the dish room and into the kitchen? So uh, so what happened was uh, after two and a half years as a, being part DM there, I got my first bid at the Yale School of Management. And it's not even, it wasn't even called a... Uh, kitchen position it was called a uh, specialty retail worker so, right. I just so th- you're talking about sort of like the labor structure the union structure of yeah, different kinds of jobs yep. so per diem means you were just getting paid per day yeah so no, per is, diem or? is uh you, you're a casual so what happens is you get paid by the hour right but you you make your own hours so whenever you're available to work or whenever something pops up it could be they could give you a schedule ahead of time or it could be 10 minutes before the shift starts and they call and like, hey, such and such is called out. So Can that's you? not actually a unionized position, right? Nope. That's that's sort yeah. of how they get around yeah, having all the they, positions yeah, yeah. be unionized. Yeah, so you, you had like the hourly pay. And so then you when you said you were bidding up, you were looking for jobs where you were bidding into a more permanent job. Yeah, you bid job. into a job, yeah. You have to have seniority. So you can, uh, what happens is when you're uh, casual, you have more, sen- depending on how long you've been, you may have more seniority than the other casuals, and you try to bid on a lower grade position, so something that's like a 16-hour or a 20-hour position, that's what you try to bid into because people who have seniority aren't looking for those jobs, mm-hmm. and that's your ticket in. So you literally work your way from the bottom, and that's what it was. It was a 20-hour position that I got as a specialty retail worker, and um, yeah, I started from there. I just thought I was going to be doing like dishes, the same thing I was doing, but no, my, my job was to work in the kitchen. That was my first experience in a live commercial kitchen. So that's why I got my experience. It wasn't the best experience at first because, you know, the guy, which is actually a great friend of mine, is not a chef. He was a French guy, and he had a very strong accent, and, you know, they got old school. So it's not like, hey, how you doing? Like, mm-hmm. you know, come on in. It's like old school. Like, no, like, I might not speak to you today. I might speak to you. You know what I'm saying? If I say something to you, it might not be too nice, you know? Mm. You know, so it was like. I had to get adjusted to that in the kitchen, um, messing stuff up, cutting myself, burning stuff, just learning, <laughs> you know? So, yeah. But it was all growing pains. Job. And yeah. at first it was uncomfortable for me because it wasn't something I was used to. I was, like, frustrated. I was always good at my job. I was always liked at the job. You know what I'm saying? People mm. loved me for what I did. So when I got in there and I was like, you know, nobody really liked me at first. Like, oh, this guy sucks. You know what I'm saying? But I just, you know, took my lumps or whatever, you know, and I started learning. And once I started learning, I started getting comfortable. Hmm. Once I got comfortable, the sky's the limit. Um, I just wanted to learn everything I could learn. So at the school of manager was a great experience. The chef there was great. Uh, chef Dave Kuzma, he's the manager. And then I had Sarah. Sarah was my first cook there. Yeah. So those guys, they were great, man. After, you know, giving me, the, uh, you know, training pretty much, a boot camp, what you could say. Yeah. Man, they really opened it up and allowed me to do a lot of things, be a part of a lot of dope events. So... That's, That's why great. I got the passion for cooking, That's seeing great. the students be happy. Yeah. Know. I worked at Yale for a year. Uh, I had worked as a chef for a long time, but yeah. then I moved back to New Haven. Okay. And I got a job there, so I uh, got a little look at Yale Dining from the inside. Yeah, and yeah. I was more there as like a temporary kind of consultant thing where I was yep. helping to open a cafe and then doing some projects. But I work with Dave because yeah. when he was running catering, he's a good guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, he seems like a good person to, to learn under. Yeah, Dave is cool, man. He's more so, you know, he's like... He's just about getting it done, you know. Yeah. Just let's what were it. some of the things that you um, that you first learned there that were different than the food that you had cooked at home with your dad? Um, so you know, when you working at home or more so in the black community, you do more so soul food, uh, a lot of fried fish, fried chicken, uh, grilling stuff like that, wings, 
things of that nature, mac and cheese, potato salad. But working at school of management, I learned more vegetarian dishes and stews, uh, Indian food. I learned about Asian food and just more so about where the concept of cooking was going, period. So it was a total different atmosphere for me. I had to eat new things and taste new things and try new things. And I found myself, you know, just growing so much. So mm. that was what I learned there, pretty mm-hmm. much just the ins and outs about different styles of cooking, different ethnicities and what they use, if it's too spicy, if it's too this, and just really opening up because for so long in our community, we just eat the same things all the time. It's like, you know, so that was the big adjustment there. Yeah, yeah. So what inspired, you now have a catering company that yeah. you started about three years ago. Yep. And so what inspired you to start this catering company? Um, well, it really just started for me wanting to do entrepreneurship and I kind of started on accident. Like my dad, like I told you, he was a chef and he's been doing a catering business. I had uh, actually linked up with him. I was helping him. And, you know, it was going good at first, but I don't know if it was like a dad son type of thing. But, you know, I just felt like I wasn't I was being taken advantage of. or I wasn't, you know, <laughs> like I'm working real hard. I'm not seeing the money I should get or whatever the case. And it's cool. You know, that's but I'm grown now. I got kids, a family, you know, so I just felt like. Maybe it was time for me to, you know, step into my own thing. So I had an event that came up with the lady, Miss Kim. She was receptionist at the Yale School of Management. And she was like, Aaron, I got this event. My dad, you know, he was older. She wanted to throw something for him or whatever. And she just wanted to have a good time. So I originally linked up for me and my dad to do it. And I was telling him about it a couple of months ahead of time. And, you know, he just, you know, I was like, oh, yeah, I do it. I got this going on, buzzy, blah, blah. And that was a week before. And now he finally comes out and just says, like, you know, hey, I can't do it. I got this coming up, Aaron, blah, 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 blah. So now I'm like, whoa, I've been telling this lady, what am I going to do? In my head, part of me went to cancel it. Part of me was like, you know what? I could do this myself, you know? Yeah. And that's kind of how I started, just kind of on accident, just kind of trusting and believing in myself. And I did it. And it went well. And, you know, um, I was driving. A, it was crazy because a lot of people don't know, but I like to tell the story because it's the entrepreneur side. Like, I had. Got my car repossessed, like, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I was driving a, a Subaru Outback at the time. And it wasn't even registered, but it was the only car I had. It was getting me back and forth or whatever. And I had to get to West Hartford with it, with the food. But I did it, you know what I'm saying? Because I was on the journey, you know? So it felt good. I got the food all the way there. I set up. I worked the grill and had all the food. It was just me and my kid's mom. She's the only one that helps me all the time. She was always with me. So That's dope. Yeah, That's so great. that was yeah. the first one. All right, so now you've got this company, Heartfelt Catering, yeah. that you sort of started by accident. Yeah. But what are you trying to do with this catering company that, that feels like, I mean, you're making food for people, you're yeah. feeding people, but yeah. what else are you trying to do with this catering company? What's sort of the, the mission behind it for you? Man, I'm just trying to give people uh, good vibes, good energy. And when I mean that, I don't just mean like, you know, you get an experience with the food when you eat, you feel good, but I want you to, you know, your body to feel good too. Like, you know what I'm saying? So... I feel like for our community, that's another thing. Like, you know, our diets are so bad. I'm just going to be honest, you know, like the things we eat all the time, they're really good, but they're unhealthy. So I just want to, with the approach that I have, stuff that I learned there, and then the things that I learned at Yale, I want to be able to bridge the gap and then introduce a new style of cooking. So that's the goal, to introduce something new. This could be tasty, but it's going to be healthy and fruitful for you as opposed to just damaging and, you know, going mm-hmm. down. Because a lot of our stuff, we're very healthy people, minus the diets. If we just could control our diets and the things that we eat, I think that we could have longevity. But I think that we should cut our lifespan when we don't pay attention to what, I, to what we eat. Mm-hmm. So I feel like the catering company is an opportunity to, you know, since I am from that community, people do know me from a community, I can introduce them to something different and maybe if he's trying it maybe it ain't so bad you know what i'm saying so that's the goal man to not only 
have make some good money and have good opportunities and experience some things, but also to nourish my people, give them some good information so that they can grow and prosper. Yeah, absolutely. It's so important. And, um, you know, sometimes it's interesting because people have such like cultural identity with the foods that they eat yeah. and the foods that we think of as soul food yeah. now, like yeah. fried chicken, mac and cheese, yeah. collards cooked with like ham hock and, you know, mm-hmm. with ham yeah. in it. Yeah. Delicious, right? Yeah. But like those are like special occasion foods, yep. right? And that there's a whole world of soul food yeah. that was the original soul food that yeah. is based on like vegetables and preserving things and things that were like the everyday foods because people weren't eating like that every day right and so but in the in the world we live in now where we have like factory farms and these big huge like costco and all these places things that used to be expensive like meat are now cheap because of the way we're growing them and so then like these foods that used to be special occasion foods are now everyday everyday foods Mm -hmm. and we sort of lost a lot of the other soul food that was nourishing for our bodies right and so i'm curious you had mentioned um that you're doing trying to do some things that are more nourishing and healthy for people in the context of soul food too Mm -hmm. so what does that look like like what are some of the recipes that you love to make that are a little bit healthier for people's bodies but still you know like fatty or like or just that people yeah what are the some of the things that you're cooking that people are loving uh, so I do like a vegan crab cake. A lot of people like that. So, you know, we love seafood. People love crab cakes. But I do it as vegan. And people taste it. It's the exact same taste as so a crab cake. So what's in it? So <laughs> the crab cake consists of, it's a vegan mayo. It's got hearts of palm. Mm. It's got um, breadcrumbs. I do a little mashed chickpeas. Um, and then I do a regular vegan tartar sauce. And they love it. You know what I'm saying? That's beautiful. So, yeah, yeah. Did you it's make simple. That up? It's a simple basic. Yeah, actually, something I learned at SOM, but I just put my own oh. little thing to it. But yeah, you know what I'm saying? It's dope and people love it. And it's a simple recipe. It's not to have too many ingredients and it's simple nice. and, you know, it's good for your body. So, do you find when it's something that people are familiar with, like you're doing a vegan version of something that people are used to, like a crab cake, yeah, that, yep. that it makes it easier for them to try it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. When you just tell them, like, oh, this is it's just like a crab cake. I'm yeah. like, oh, it's just not a crab cake. Try it. <laughs> then they try it, and like, oh, my God, it's so good. I'm like, yeah, it's vegan. And I, it trips them out. I do another uh, a vegan ceviche, which is really good, which I also use hearts of palm, and it has lime juice, and it has tomatoes, it has peppers, red onions, maybe some yellow peppers, a little mm. jalapeno, some cilantro. I do it up. It's some little. I put a little sugar in it to give it a little taste, but it's really good. People are like, wow, this is vegan? They don't believe it, but it's so good. So just small things like that to try to just open people's minds up. And I, I like to introduce, like, I have this um, thing called Healthy Choices that I just started. That's going to be three recipes every month hmm. that's going to give the communities, you know, something that's really good, but something that's healthy for you. Example, like we love pasta. So I can, but it, it's not my recipe, but it's just introducing it to our community. You'd be surprised how many people in our community don't know about eggplant. So I'll give you eggplant palm. Here's something simple that you could try. You might like the eggplant palm. Mm-hmm. It might be a little not the healthiest thing, but what it does is introduce them to something different. Now you can implement eggplant into something else because before you taste it, you're like, oh, this is good. Okay, I can do this with this now. I can do that with this now. So just trying to give us something that we may like that's good for you, not as bad as, you know, meat sauce and, you know, so. Yeah. So are you doing, is it a fried eggplant or or are you doing something else? 
every month I want to throw I want to do it like um, but in the eggplant parm are you doing like breaded fried eggplant or are you yes, doing more yeah 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 we used to make one my grandma used to make one that was um she had high cholesterol so okay. she was always trying yeah, to do like a little healthier yep. she used to roast the eggplant okay. like not breaded yeah so see? just like put a little oil salt and pepper season whatever seasoning yep. and roast it in the oven first because yeah. then it gets sort of firm yep. and then she would use that almost like the pasta in a lasagna yeah. you yeah. know so it's like sort of like an eggplant yep. parm except you didn't add all the breading and frying yeah but you still get the eggplant. and check you listen to that guy there's another option <laughs> and that's what it's about man just yeah. trying to introduce our people to something different that's it yeah. that's it that's why right. do you think so i hear you talking about like trying to get people to try stuff and yeah. i've had that experience a lot too like i did a lot of cooking in different communities and why do you think that it's hard for people to try things that they're not familiar with i just think it's about um in our community everything is about just just too cool for school stuff like you know what i'm saying like Everything is oh you oh you, you eating that oh, why you eating a salad oh you eating a salad oh you, mm. oh, you eating this oh, why you doing that you know what I'm saying everything that is good for us is made fun of so I think that more people are scared to come out of the comfort zone afraid of what somebody would think about them and you just can't worry about that you know what I'm saying you got to start thinking about what is important for you if you look at your diet look what's going on look at your family tree if your auntie your great grandmas or your great grands is constantly suffering from the same diseases then maybe we should wake up maybe it's okay to say you know what I'm not gonna have that mac and cheese today or mm -hmm. I'm not gonna have the bacon egg and cheese today you know what I'm saying yeah, like, yeah absolutely it's, it's not saying you can't have it at all but I'm just saying it's all right to say you know what I'm gonna have a salad today or you know what I don't feel good like, and I saw our biggest thing. We have pride. Like, we won't feel good and we won't go to the doctor. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? And we'll still keep eating the same things, being stubborn, knowing that this is what's hurting us. But because we have to have it, and it's like, oh, man, I'm I'm, I'm drinking the water. Or I, I ain't, you know what I'm saying? It's like, come on, man. Like, we yeah, got to be more. It's such a cultural change. And yeah. I think that, like, um, it kind of perpetuates itself because also, you know, the way that our society works, we have companies that won't open stores with healthy food yes, in black yes. neighborhoods yeah, in low-income neighborhoods yeah. and so and so then you have like what becomes available to people yep. and then what they feel identified with yes, right and so yes. you have this cycle of that and so how to bring back like part of why i was interested in talking to you is yeah. that i feel like there's like a really big wave of people and this has happened like many times in yeah. history, but there's like a big wave of people within the different parts of the black community. Because yeah. black community is not one thing, right? Yeah, but like yeah, yeah. <laughs> different parts of the black community who are really saying these same things you're saying, which is um, how do we look at the foods that we take pride in yeah. and also have foods that are nourishing our That's bodies, it. not killing ourselves. Yeah, and man. it's not about like shaming Dark soul culture, food yeah. and shaming your culture. It's not like you got to go eat like you know kale and yeah, tahini yeah, and like steamed broccoli yeah, right yeah. like you can still season stuff yeah you can still use ingredients that yeah. you love um and ways of preparing that yeah. you love but it's like how do you rebalance it yeah. so that your food is actually nourishing you not killing you yeah, man. and i love like all the creativity that i'm seeing from like so many different parts of the black community and other communities yeah. of, of doing that so. yeah it definitely man like vegan you see a lot of vegan chefs now um you see it coming, man, and you see the change to a certain degree, and people are becoming more open to it. So that's a blessing, man, and um, that's what it's about, man, just trying to grow, and that's what we, I want us to do. I just want us to think outside the box. So that's yeah. why I come with this. Everybody's like, you know, why you don't do dinners? Why you don't do dinners? Because it's like, you know, I could do dinners, but, you know, I put I put myself in a box with the dinner. So that's the thing. I don't want to put myself in a box, and I want us to grow, and I want this to be something big, you know? Mm. I just don't want it to be the the regular store right here, we, I want it to be nice. You know what I'm saying? When you yeah. think about Heartfelt Cater, you got to think about this is nice. This is big 
executive, corporate, whatever you want it to be, that's what we want it to be, you know? Cool. So you said you're doing three recipes. Do you mean that you're offering them and then people can order like a plate of them? No, or? so it's just more so for a reference for people for information when they want to try oh, it on Oh, for people own. to try their own yeah, recipes. Yeah, so what I do is I give the recipe, I'll give you how do you make this recipe, cool. and I'll give what the ingredients in the recipe details. So um, like the first month I did water. And, you know, it was like, oh, why did you do water? But that's like the most essential in- ingredient for us before I can, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Before we can even so talk great. about eating food or eat anything, drink let's water. know that, yeah, we need mm. to drink water. And mm. the second thing was a kale apple salad, which is simple, but it's like, oh, we like to eat is iceberg lettuce or Caesar salad. But here's a kale apple salad, and you get organic kale, organic apples. Here you go. You got two nutrients. You put them together, mm. a little uh, poppy seed vinaigrette. Boom. There you go. You got a great salad, mm-hmm. and it's nourishing. It's going to fill you up. Instead of putting the chicken in there, put the apple in there you know mm. so and that's what it's about just some that's what i want to do now they'll get more complex as i go but right now i just want to give people simple easy recipes that they can follow go right to the store and pick up that's not too complicated and i feel like that's another thing too in our community like since we don't know all the food some of the good healthy stuff becomes complicated you know it's like mm. what's kel what's this what's that and if it sounds too big and it's like oh no nah, i'm not I'm not you gotta keep that. it simple. Yeah, so, you gotta keep, yeah, yeah, you gotta you gotta you gotta meet people where they're at. I yep. think that's like a big thing. People need to feel good about the food they're eating yep. and good about themselves. And you gotta you gotta be realistic about like how much time does someone have, how much money do they yeah. have, like what you know, do they want it hot or cold, or do yeah. they have time to cook it? Like all those things are real. Yep. You know, so True when indeed. you're busy and you're stressed or whatever, you gotta if you're actually gonna cook it, yeah. you gotta be real about the the situation. Yep. So. What you That's said cool. was true, man, about uh, the access to food. It's so true because, I mean, right now in our neighborhoods, right now we just got the basic corner stores. They're selling subs, selling beef patties, you know what I'm saying? Subs and fries, beef patties, maybe some chicken wings, whatever the case. But where's the where's the produce? Yeah. You and know, it's interesting, like, you know, sometimes people have perceptions that the farmer's markets are expensive. Yeah. And it's true there is, some, you know, stuff at the markets that's expensive. But I notice if you go around and you shop around at the markets, you yeah. can also find some really affordable and sometimes really cheap stuff. So, yeah. like, I stopped by one of the farmer's markets in New Haven, um, one of the city seed markets the other day, and it was raining a little, so there weren't that many people at the market. Yeah. And the organic farm, you know, some of the farms are organic, some are not. So yeah. you can the prices will be different. But the organic farm that was there had bunches of kale that were a dollar a piece yeah. because it was like a little bit wilted. And mm-hmm. I was like, why are you selling these for a dollar? And they were like, well, they're wilted. People don't think they look that good. I was like, can't you just put them in cold water? Yeah. And then they get refreshed. They were like, yeah. I was like, so I'm going to buy five of them. I actually paid <laughs> like, them $2 yeah, yeah, a bunch because yeah, yeah. I was like, they got to yeah, make a living a too. And yeah, still $2 yeah. for a bunch for organic kale is still a really good yes. price. Yes. So, and a lot of the places have collards too. And, you know, so I just think that Sometimes there's like a perception we have that this place doesn't isn't for me. Like yep. if I'm a person of color, I'm black person, brown person, that that's like a white person place. But it's like it's not. Yeah. It's a place that everybody can shop at. And also if people are using like food stamps and, and EBT that they can use those at the markets. Yep. Yeah. There's often like programs, not just in New Haven, but in I think in Bridgeport and other places in Connecticut, too, where you can actually get like extra. You can get like double value yep. if you're using your your snap or EBT there. So. Um, just for people to check out, but yeah. even just going into the produce section at the grocery yes, store. <laughs> yes, that's lit. Y'all listen it's to good. that, man. You can use your EBT. Listen to all that, man. That's dope for yeah, sure. Yeah, and it's it's true, man. And honestly, I'm gonna just be honest. You know, like we got the money. You know, the money ain't the problem. We just choose to spend our money on what we want to spend it on. We like the Jordans every week, right? Mm. All our kids, we got the Jordans. Kids got the matching Jordans. I'm not bashing this. I'm just being honest. We, you know, but. 
sometimes I go in the store and I spend seven dollars on the juice. I go mm. to the juice box right here on Chapel Street. I love getting a fresh juice. And I say, oh my God, you spent seven dollars on the juice, but you spent one hundred seventy-five dollars for a pair of Jordans. So I mean, come on, you can yeah. spend one hundred seventy-five dollars in the grocery store buying organic. It's just that simple. Like we have to start taking responsibility for our actions. We spend the money. We one of the biggest consumers in the world. We spend. So why can't we spend on healthy products? Why yeah. can't we spend on healthy food? I think that like a uh, important part of this that you know people can feel judged about when we say stuff like yeah. that. And I think that um, something that I find is when we start to teach people about the the kind of systems that have intentionally made it so that this black community doesn't yeah. have a grocery store or that people don't have access to fresh food yeah. and that they think, you know, marketing of like sugar cereals and soda and chips and and that that starts becoming what people identify as their as food, the food yeah. that that's actually like an intentional thing that has happened yep. in our society to keep black and brown people down yes. to keep people unhealthy to yes. keep people in poverty yes. and that that's like intentional <laughs> then people can feel like those choices are not only about their own health yep. but are also about kind of fighting against yes. injustice yes. and fighting against racism and, yeah. and inequity and yeah, stuff and yeah, that man. it can be is really challenging because i think something we do in our society mm -hmm. is that we say that the solution to these big system problems is an individual solution. Yeah. Like you have to go make a better food choice. You're killing yourself. Yes. Right? And that's overwhelming. Yeah. Right? If if you don't know what to cook or it's hard to get the food or it, you're not craving it, yeah. right? The way you, you create these yeah. other things, yeah. it can feel really overwhelming. And so I think that talking about it also as like part of systemic oppression that yeah. is that the solution is also like a system change, but yep. that when you're making a personal choice, it's actually part of like something bigger yeah. and not just like so much weight on you yeah, as an individual. Yeah, it's true, yeah. Because you pass, I mean, just, you know, simple change of a recipe, you feed your kids if you got a family of four. Now you just taught your kid how to eat something healthier. Mm -hmm. If they like it, they could pass it and keep going on and mm -hmm. so on and so forth. And it's just that simple, like you're saying. So it's the truth, man. It really is just about like, you know, getting informed and keep talking about it and being open about it and that's why i'm here man that's what heartfelt yeah. is about you know that's sure. awesome i love what you yeah. just said because it's like by teaching your kids it's sort of like bringing back that connection to your ancestors yeah. and like even even if you don't like to eat the greens but you pretend and you, you teach yeah. your kids <laughs> then yeah. then they start to like it like that can yeah, have man. a change and that's what it's about man but like you're saying it's just about getting informed i think that most of the times people don't understand that it's not just about food like you said it's a gender against the community period you mm. know what i'm saying it's like you don't understand if you eat better you feel better you think better you live better right yeah but people don't, yeah but it's you know so excellent i love that your company's called heartfelt yeah catering. man you know it, and it was like i don't even know how i came up with the name kind of because i wanted to be like wanted to feel like so fulfilling mm -hmm. but i didn't want to do so food so i was like damn man what, what can can give you the same feeling as like some really good food but still have the same meaning as like when you it's soul food and i'm mm. like thinking and thinking i'm like heartfelt i'm like that kind of got a ring to it you know yeah. what i'm saying to make good food is love that's why it's heartfelt you know yeah. what i'm saying and i that's just like stuck something. with it i just went with it and then people's like ah, i like the name i really like the name and then i don't know it just happened right that's great how are people responding like if you cook for a when you cook for a party, are you including some things people are familiar with and then some other new things too? Or yeah. So I always do a spread of some regular things that people are like, and then I'll do always include like vegan or something. in Because um, nowadays you have to have something vegan, vegetarian all the time. 
So there's always a way to introduce people to something new, especially in our community. Like um, I, I do a lot of caters for the um, shout out to Rick Day, the uh, Brooklyn Fashion Week. I've done a few things for them and they like small, light options. But a lot of people there are vegan. Sometimes it's uh, fashion models there, designers. <laughs> they like light stuff. So I always have something, some kind of meat option, whatever the case, and I might have like a vegan option, and they all end up loving it all. Once they try one thing, they want to try it all, and they're like, oh, my God, they even realize this stuff is so good. So, yeah, man, I always try to introduce us. Like the spread is never just the same or it's never just one of anything. It's always try to have something for everybody. So, yeah, definitely. How are people responding to the things that that are new? Uh, people, yeah. At first, you know, most of the time, people are like, oh, you know, we're vegan. It's always like that. At first, it's like, oh, I'm not trying that. Or sometimes the people could be real abrupt, just cut you right off. Like, oh, uh, <laughs> like, oh, no, I'm not. No, where's the where's the meat? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But then sometimes people eat the meat up, and then if you come and you hungry after a few drinks. Now you might come back and be like, you know, what? I'll try that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Then you eat it, and they're like, oh my god, this is cool. I'm coming back for it. And next you know, you got your friends coming back, and everybody like, what is in this? So you're like, it's vegan. Like. And they're like, oh, my God, this is so good. This is really good. Wow. So I think that it's just about being open. Me, I'm, yeah. I got tough. You got to have tough skin when you're introducing new stuff to people. And you got to be confident in your products. If you know this is good, me, I eat it. I'm going to taste it a million times. I'm in it. You know what I'm saying? So I know it's good. It's just about opening people up to it. And if you could sell it and just be confident in what you're selling, people will try it. And when they try it, yeah. it's a fair game then, yeah. That's excellent. So what are some other things that you love? I like the couple recipes you shared, but tell me a couple other, some vegetarian, vegan things that, that people uh-uh. are liking um, or that you like, even if people haven't gotten on board yet. Uh, you got to try uh, oyster mushrooms are really a big thing for vegans. You could fry them. You could bake them, saute them, whatever you like to do. You, it could substitute for like a fried chicken breast or a chicken sandwich. Um, some cauliflower or fried cauliflower. A lot of people like to use that for like a buffalo chicken substitute. Um, I do a, a vegan tuna sandwich, which is good, which is really just some hummus, some vegan mayo put together. You could dice up some celery or some cucumbers or whatever kind of vegetables you want inside of it. You could put that on it with some nice mescaline lettuce on a nice rye bread or wheat bread. Um, that's pretty good. And try Indian, man. A lot of people, a lot of Thai food, Indian curries and stews are really good. African stews are really good. But coconut milk, that's one of the big things I like to use. Uh, Caribbean stews or like a Caribbean patty, a veggie patty. Mm. Those things are really good. So that's great. Yeah. Where yeah. are you getting your inspiration from? Because I hear you're cooking from like all, now pulling from all these different foods of different cultures. Uh, pretty much just you know, um, like I said, when I was at SOM, we did a lot of different cultures. We had a lot of Indian, a lot of Asian. Um, I'm Caribbean is my favorite, so I started implementing Caribbean, and I love soul food, so I started implementing that as well. But then when you're doing uh, vegan, these other cultures, they implement, that's one of the things I wanted to uh, mention too, like other cultures, they implement vegetables and a lot of the things they do, even if it's tacos, you find a lot of pico de gallo, I mean, avocado, those things, radishes, those things of that nature where there's right. a lot of vegetables in good, really good food, you know, so that's why I learned to try to implement some of the vegetables, some of them same things into my food and sometimes, to be honest, I was just coming up with, before I really got going, I was just naming things that was really dope and just working on them before the event coming because I was trying to sell myself. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, you know, people asking me, like, what's the menu? I really don't have it. I really didn't have a menu. <laughs> but I was just coming up with things I knew how to make. Uh, I made an SOM. And then I'm like, you know what? I'm I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it. Yeah. And sometimes I was coming up naming vegan stuff that I didn't even make yet. And then I was like, right, I just got to get it right. Now you got to get it right. Yeah, you yeah. But I feel it like, right. Yeah. It was just I feel like I was just pushing myself and challenging myself to be you know what i wanted to be if i wanted to take this upscale and make it this and i had to push myself towards that so yeah 
So I know you've been mentioning SOM, which is the School of Management yeah, at yeah. Yale, and um, and you said like it's clear that you've learned a lot of yeah, like yeah. gotten exposed to a lot of food there. Yeah. Um, and I wonder if you could talk a little bit about some of like those are some of the good things that yeah, have come out of there. You've yeah. been able to bid up into like you're now a sous chef there, yeah, so you got like a solid unionized job. Yep benefits all that like that's good and you've got like people you're working with who are mentoring you like all that stuff is good but having been on the inside myself and and understanding like what it is to cook an institution and then also looking at like Yale as an institution and some of the the race dynamics and the history of the institution I'm wondering if you can talk a little about some of the challenges that you've experienced there or some of the either yourself personally or just what you've observed as sort of the some of the challenging dynamics of of being in that environment I just think that um, first off, being black, there's it's like you know, you just have to kind of like uh, find your. I want to say find your place, but it's kind of like you breaking a stereotype. Me, of course, somebody like me that's hardworking. There's a stereotype of a, first. Uh, there's a stereotype of a young black male. So you know, obviously, we come in, we have this like this thug, or you know, automatically there's some type of you know, you think, oh, he's he's like you know. So I feel like before I could even do what I was doing, I always had to break like the stereotype or I always, always was kind of like people were kind of more shocked. Oh, he's so um, well-rounded. Oh, he speaks so well. Oh, he's so articulate. Or, mm. But shouldn't I be those things because I'm just a, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, why do I automatically have to be, you know, talk with slang or why do I have to be gangster or why do I have to be whatever the, you know, you may think, why do I automatically have to be that? And why do I have to constantly prove myself all the time you know what right. i'm saying so yeah. i think that uh that's very frustrating another thing is speaking up like me i'm very vocal so i think that uh i get this kind of oh he's angry type of and you know i feel like that's kind of frustrating because a chef's job a chef is an angry person like you know what i'm saying <laughs> everybody knows a chef like you got to have this certain type of swag or it's even this certain type of persona about you to really run a kitchen you know and sometimes it, it gets hot it gets intense so I've seen chefs throw fits plenty of times and, you know, kind of turn the other cheek. But if I do it, if I speak up and, you know, I could have a valid point, they will focus more on me raising my voice or me being upset or me being as opposed to what I'm saying. And I feel like it's always like that. I mm-hmm. always have to constantly be looked at like I'm angry or I'm, you know, mad and I'm not. I'm just speaking up about what's going on. And if I feel like sometimes maybe people are hearing me or listen It'll be a better situation as opposed to trying to make it about, oh, you, well, you got upset or you got, well, that's normal. I'm, I'm a human being. You know what I'm saying? So right. I feel like those are the biggest challenges, man, just dealing with the stereotypes of a young black man that, you know, I'm a great father. You know, I love my family. I'm a hard worker. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I don't yeah. have any felonies or convictions. I've never been to prison. I've never been in jail. So why do I have to constantly prove that I'm, I belong? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I feel like once you start proving that you belong, now here they come with other things because it's they're intimidated because mm-hmm. they're so used to you not belonging or they're so used to you just being content with, you know, maybe being in the dishroom or maybe doing uh, pantry work or whatever the case. But when you actually want to grow and you actually can show that you are capable, then I feel like that becomes an issue. And I, that's the biggest thing, just trying to prove that, you know, I can do it and yeah. I belong. And I shouldn't have to do that. Because I'm capable. What did you see when you said, um, when you started really showing your skill and that you belong, you're a hard worker, and you said, yeah. what What were you experiencing in terms of people then kind of challenging that or not supporting that? You just feel like, you know, they find any kind of way to, uh, so what happens is if they know like you get upset, right, then I feel like they find any kind of way to 
uh, antagonize that or, you know, pry you. So what happens is, you know, they mess with you with little things. So you came in two minutes late or you did this, this happened or anything to try to, you know, just rev you up so they could say, oh, well, you got upset now so we can, you know, have mm-hmm. the union come and document this on you. Oh, you did. You said this to me this way. So we got the union come. We could document this on you. Oh, you didn't do this. And this is what they do. It's little stuff. And they try to put it together and then they can make a case on you. And then this is how they go about these situations where mm-hmm. it's like, you know, it's done like little by little so you don't notice it and it's kind of like oh well you digging your own grave because we got you here doing this and we got you here doing that and if you get into a certain you know disagreement with a management or whatever the case they may constantly like you know continue to pry until they feel like they get whatever they need or you bid out that's the you know that's how it goes Mm. so i feel like yeah i mean i hear i hear like the the double standard that exists for you and all the and like I mean, that just sounds exhausting to yeah, try to, like, deal with. Definitely, man. Um, but it's cool, though. You know, at the end of the day, it's being black, being a young black man, you're kind of used to that. I'm used to that. So it's not something that really I could say it does bother me, but it's not something that I could say is going to affect. I'm going to still be me. I'm going to still do the best I can. I'm going to still achieve because I'm so – you're kind of – it's kind of something, like, you know on a regular basis. Like, I could go in a store right now and buy a drink, and the guy at the register could have some type of – like this is normal so right. it's like but but the reason i'm asking you about it and that i want to you know yeah yeah I, we talked about this before because i want to respect your job yeah I'm not nah, trying to, like, nah, nah. You it's all in right. trouble nah, but the reason fine. that i asked you if you would talk about this is that you know this is regular yeah. right and you know it's regular yeah. and every other black man knows it's regular yeah. and most black women know it's regular yeah. and a few of us white folks who are paying attention yeah, and, and yeah. love and live with you black folks like know it's regular yeah. too but lots of people don't you yeah, know man. and yeah. and even so like even for people who do i think that it is really important to yeah. hear like what the impact is on you and how like starting a new job trying to work your way up from the dishroom yeah. like I, I started in kitchens too, just yeah. learning on the job. Yeah. And it's not easy when yeah, you're doing man. stuff and you're like, I want to be cooking the food, not yeah. doing the dishes. Yeah, like man. I don't just want to be doing the same salad recipe every day. I want to cook, right? Yeah. And like that's not easy. Yeah. But on top of that, having to deal with the stereotypes of being that are put up against you as a black man yeah. is exhausting yeah, and man. makes it really hard. And I think like that's part of what's killing people too. Yeah. Is mental is stress, like man. the mental and how that physically affects you, yeah. right? Like how much more stressful is your job than somebody else's job. And yeah, so man. I think like it's important for people to hear. And it's that. like, that's why I go on this journey. Like sometimes even when I'm there, you know, some of my coworkers, they're like, why you want to cook or why you want to do this? Cause I want to prove the stereotype wrong. You know, I want to show you and everybody, we're we going to, we can do this. And mm-hmm. We're going to do this. I'm going to be a living example of this. And because the prior on to keep talking about, I elaborate on it a little bit more, like from the white perspective or talking to the white chefs or white cooks, like not to take up for them, but they don't know. They grew up in a community where it's white. They really have no idea. Like you think it's a joke, but they really don't. They grow up totally different. They grow up most of the time in a white community. Some of them haven't met a black man or a black until they started working at Yale. Mm. And I've heard them. I'm just speaking from talking to them, having open and honest, honest conversations with some of the guys. And they'll tell you like, listen, it's nothing personal. It's just more so like, you know, I didn't meet a black guy until I, I started working at Yale. Wow. So, you know, when wow. they come in, the only, only perspective that they know is what they see on TV, what they see in the movies, or what they hear. So they already got their mind made up when they yeah. come in. So when I come in and they meet somebody like me, it's a breath of fresh air for me and them because I'm getting to show you, like, listen, what you may have thought or what you may think is totally wrong, and I'm going to show you that every day. Mm. Not in a disrespectful way, but I'm going to show you, like, I value my life just like you value yours. You know what I'm right. saying? So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely know what you're saying. And, like, 
having to feel like you got to be perfect is also yeah, like man, yeah. <laughs> nobody's perfect, which I, I appreciated that you were talking about that too. And um, so can you explain a little bit like, are there very many chefs? So there's like tons of black folks who work in yeah, the kitchen, yeah, yeah. but there are people who are doing like prepping the salad bar, yep. prep, you know, prep, prepping food. Like Desserts, there's all these yes. different yeah, levels yeah. of jobs in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. And then you have the sous chefs and the chefs, yep. right? And those are the folks who are in charge of the kitchen. And then you have the layer of management, which is like a different union, yeah, and yeah. different layer of people. So are many of the cooks, the sous chefs and the chefs, black or brown folks? Ma- majority of them. It's a good it's a good mixture when it comes to shoe chefs with the sh- with the top chefs more so majority of them are white there is advanced opportunity for advancement but yeah majority of the chefs are white it's and are most of the other people working in the kitchen black and brown folks depends if it's like GSA pantry what's GSA GSA is a dishwasher okay so GSA uh, pantry workers uh, dessert and beverage they do dairy they do salad and deli. Yeah, those those workers are black. There's a plenty of black workers when it comes to that. But when it comes to chefs, yeah, that's when it gets the politics come in. You know, yeah. so if you're gonna do it, you gotta come with it. You gotta be talented, and that's what it's about. And you know, I I, I don't mind. You know, I'm, yeah. I live up to the challenge. So that's what it's about. It's just more so if you're gonna come, you gotta come correct. And it's nothing I can do about it. It's the system that I'm in. So I gotta, you know, if I want to advance, this is what I gotta deal with. But it is what it is, you know. Yeah. I'm cool with it, you know. I don't been around. I adapted. I made good friends, and kind of is not what you know so much as who you know. And I've been around. I've been in the trenches with a lot of guys, so I've earned a lot of respect, and I know a lot of people. So, you know, it's all good, man. I'ma just continue to keep doing the best I can do. Keep striving, man. Whatever yeah. opportunities I come my way, I'm trying to take advantage. I of hear them. you. You're working hard. Yeah, I yeah, hear. I hear yeah, you. So I'm, I'm asking you about that because I'm actually curious if you have. I mean, one of the questions is, is the most of the management is yeah. white also, yep. right? Yeah. So do you have ideas from being on the inside yeah. of ways that you feel like that uh, seg- racial segregation? Yeah. And also, like, you have, I think, my, in my experience when I was there, which was actually many years ago, yeah. was different management who was there. But um, most of the black folks who were there from New Haven and most of the white folks were from other towns, surrounding yeah. towns. Um do you have ideas from the inside of things that they could do to start break break down that segregation? So like having more uh, black folks or folks from New Haven yeah. who get out of just those those kind of basic jobs and yeah. get trained into being a sous chef and a chef or get trained up into management. Like what do you think they could do to support that happening? Um, I think that there's definitely a lot of opportunities for us to, to or there should be more opportunities for black too. But I think it just depends on who they hire. I mean, I don't know how the hire process works or who they decide to be management or whatever the case or how they iron it out. But I definitely think that maybe they should look more into the you know our community and look for people of management who could relate to us. I feel like that's the biggest thing, the fact that they can't relate to us. So when you can't relate to somebody, you already have your mind made up or there's already opinions made or formed. And before you even get to know this person personally or whatever the case, that's where the second, if you can't relate to us, it's the same thing. Like from the other, from our perspective, it's like, oh man, here we go. Another manager, whatever the case. So you got to <laughs> watch out for him or you feel like, and I think that's what it is. And I think a lot of it is just respect. Honestly, black people or people in there are big on respect. How you talk to me, you know? And I think that that's what the biggest thing is, just disrespect how they talk to you sometimes. That's mm-hmm. all it is sometimes. People don't mind working. I don't mind doing this, but black people going to get rebellious. If you're going to disrespect me, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show up late. I'm, I don't mm-hmm. care. I'm going to stop caring. If you can't treat me with the honest respect, because I know I come in here every day to do my job right. I know I come in here and work hard every day. But if you can't give me the honest respect or simple respect, 
then yeah, you're gonna get. I'm gonna be rebellious. I'm yeah. not gonna be the same worker. And I feel like that's the biggest problem, is the respect. And I feel like if they maybe hire people in our community sometimes, or hire, you know, I don't know how how the process works, but yeah, hire people in our community, man. They got education. They smart. You know what yeah, I'm and I think I think also training people up into those jobs. Because yeah. when I was in there, I saw like generations of people working mm-hmm. in there, and yeah. I saw ge- like two, three generations, like making the salad bar. Yeah. And I was like, how in two generations no less three did somebody not think we should train the grandma should be the manager yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> right yeah like not just she making the salad bar. that's yeah. right and so yeah. i think but Who knows it? but it has to be really intentional right like because yeah. because it's about undoing a structure that's yeah. been there forever yeah. does anybody talk about that within within dining i mean not really man dining right now is kind of like it's like a new wave of things going on with with the dining there because it's like a lot of the people that was working there are have just the skills that they were equipped with for so many years. But now dining is changing. You have the plant-based, the vegan. So now like live cooking, batch cooking, the sh- uh, you got renovations, kitchen is changing. The whole style of just cooking period is changing. Mm. And Yale was, you know, the, one of the forefronts for that. So now they're That's changing. Right. But now you have all these people who just been doing the basic, you know, dairy and beverage or desserts, the basic flipping the burger or the basic putting the meal out. You know what I'm saying? But now it's going from that to now you cooking the pasta live to order. You got 50 people on the line and the chef wants you to make it to order. You can't make it ahead of time. Mm. So you're doing more batch cooking. It's more live cooking. It's more stuff that requires like real chef work. Before it was kind of more so like they were chefs, but it was more so like we cook the food ahead of time. It goes in the warmer. We put it in the pan. Right. Now it's like, no, we want this chicken cooked right now. And I, we got to put another pan in. You know what I'm saying? We want this pasta so cooked like live. So it's like new skills that people new need skills, to learn. skills, yeah, that yeah. people need to learn. And that's the problem where people aren't adapting. And it's just hard, man. You know what I'm saying? Change is hard. So now it's like every, all this stuff has come crashing down on everybody. And people want to come out their comfort zone. Mm. I think that's what's making it hard. But I think, you know, at the end of the day, if people become open to it, they'll be fine. It was kind of like the same um, issue I had. Right? So when was a brand new facility. They had just opened it. it was, we was the first per, per, people to work in dining. It was a brand new menu for what we was doing in dining. And it was something I had to adapt to. And now they're trying to kind of do that with the whole dining as it go. And people got to adapt. It sucks because people have been, like you said, for 20 years, grandma been doing a salad bar. You know what I'm saying? Like, how she supposed to come in now? You telling her she got to make a new salad to order. And now you got a meze bar where you introducing all this meta- yeah. Mediterranean food. And you know what I'm saying? So I think that people just have to adapt and they have to do a better job of helping us adapt. But they do them. They give us a lot of uh, programs and stuff like that. Like we had an olive oil training another day. They had some guys come from Spain and show us about the importance of olive oils and what it does for you and how to use it. So they give you stuff like that <laughs> or whatever. But I just and some feel of like, this basic stuff. Yeah, yeah. They give you some stuff, but I do feel like they could be more. If it's just more about respect, I feel like everything that they're doing is great. I just think that it's more about respect, and you know, sometimes. The higher ups don't really understand what management is doing or how they're speaking to you know the employees, and because everything is always swept under the rug mm-hmm. when they come. Yeah. So. Well, thank you so much for yeah, sharing your yeah. passion about food. Yeah, no doubt. And yeah, I, I appreciate you. you talking honestly, also about your your work situation. Yeah, man, it's cool. Like I said, man, yeah, it's a good job. It's got good benefits. It got good stuff. But it's just like for people who are like, oh man, I love Yale. It's just like any other job, man. As a black man, you deal with the same stereotypes you would deal with any other job. You go through the same ups and downs. You go through the same bias stuff or whatever the case. But you know, I'm trying to you know break that. I'm saying I'm trying to you know walk through that and inspire some of my other brothers that want to cook or something like that. That's in the job. 
or if it's not even cooking, it's just about just growing. If you mm-hmm. want to do something, whatever it is, it's a whole bunch of opportunity at Yale, man. You don't have to stay where you at. Mm-hmm. So many different things to do. So you could take my story and run with it, <laughs> or you make your own, you know what I'm saying? But don't yeah. don't get content. Yeah. Sure, man. Well, I wish you so much luck with your Heartfelt Catering Company. Thank you, thank you, thank How you, can thank people you. find you? Uh, man, check me out on Heartfelt Catering, man. Heartfelt underscore catering underscore LC. That's me on Instagram. Uh, Facebook, same thing, Heartfelt Catering. Um, all right, and I'll put all that up on the tableunderground.com yeah, so people yeah, can yeah. find you. And I just wish you so much luck. I thank love you. that you, I love you're doing, you're doing what your heart is leading you to do. Yeah, it's beautiful. Man. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate you taking it. Thank you for having me. Thank you for uh, listening to me for a few minutes. And thank you, everybody else that's listening. For sure, yeah. man. Y'all have a great day. You too. Peace. All right, peace. To see some pictures of Aaron and his food and also find links to reach him, go to thetableunderground.com. If you missed our last show, The Food Squad Does Strawberries, definitely check out the podcast for some deep and fun talk. And check our website where you'll find recipes for sexy strawberry vinaigrette, Farron's Grandma's Berry Jam, easy homemade yogurt, and chia pudding. Yep, I said chia, like chia pets. But these seeds can also be used to make one of my favorite summer desserts or snacks. It's super healthy, delicious, and it only takes a few minutes to make. Plus, you don't have to turn the stove on to do it. To make it, just put a half cup of chia seeds in a quart-sized jar. Fill it most of the way with water, put on the lid, and shake the jar a few times for the first minute or so, so the seeds don't stick together. Then, let it sit on your counter so the seeds plump up in the water for about 10 minutes. Add a quarter cup of coconut milk and a few handfuls of berries or chopped mango or any fruit you like, and it's ready. You can add a little sweetener if you like, maybe a spoonful or two of maple syrup or agave, but it doesn't necessarily need it, so try it first and see what you think. Chia seeds are packed with omega-3 oils and are a great source of fiber, which also helps with lowering cholesterol. So you can enjoy dessert and also do something good for your body. For more recipes, great stories about people's lives, food, and creative social change work, go to thetableunderground.com or check us out by podcast. Please leave a review to help others find us too, and check us on all the social medias. I'm Tegan Engel, and this is The Table Underground. Thanks for listening. 